bones. Bone is living tissue, and it is the hardest tissue in the body. In Job 10 verse 11 we read, Thou hast clothed me with the skin and flesh, and hast fenced me with bones and sinews. Bones are protective like a fence. They provide security to the human frame, as well as generating the means to expedite a natural defence against infections from without. Bones have several mechanical functions. For example, they protect the body's vital organs. They serve as a framework to which the muscles and organs are attached, and they allow the body to move by means of muscles contracting across joints. The long bones of our body, such as in our limbs, need special designs for strength. Rather than solid rods which bend easily, our longer bones are essentially tubes. Engineers have found that, pound for pound, tubes are stronger and resist bending much better than solid rods. Much of the strength of our bones stems from the fact that bone is what engineers refer to as a composite material. Composite materials are made up of two components, a matrix and reinforcement, and they work together to produce enhanced strength. Bone has the right mix of two very different components, a very hard inorganic material called hydroxyl apatite and a tough fibrous organic material called collagen. The crystal material makes up about 70% of the dry weight of bone, while collagen makes up most of the remaining 30%. If bones were made up entirely of hydroxyl apatite, they would shatter under a load. If they were made entirely of collagen, they would be rubbery. Instead, they have a perfect balance of both. Babies are born with about 300 bones, and full-grown adults have only 206. As babies grow, many of these bones fuse together to create larger bones. When they are born, many of their bones consist of a soft, flexible substance called cartilage. Over time, this cartilage is slowly replaced by bone with the help of calcium. This process is called ossification. While bones grow, they still need to stay strong and functional, especially at the joints. This means that new bone cannot grow at each end of the bone on the surface because that would interfere with the function of the joint. At the joint, there is a permanent layer of smooth cartilage, called articular cartilage, which ensures that the joint functions properly. If growth occurred here, it would cause all sorts of alignment problems with the joint. The solution? There is a special epiphyseal plate below the surface and below the end of the bone which is made out of cartilage. Because these growth plates are made of cartilage, they can grow from within. This permits the bone to lengthen without disturbing the cartilage on the ends. As the plates grow in thickness, bone progressively replaces the cartilage by ossification. During ossification, layer upon layer of calcium and phosphate salts begin to accumulate on cartilage cells. Once encased in these minerals, the cartilage cells die, leaving tiny pockets behind. Blood vessels grow into these tiny pockets, delivering specialised cells called osteoblasts, which means bone makers. The osteoblasts help to collect additional calcium and also produce a substance full of collagen fibres. Osteoblasts also produce layers of cortical bone that surround the cartilage. After making the cortical bone, osteoblasts become cells, called osteocytes, that work to form a sponge-like lattice of marrow and a substance called cancellous bone, inside the developing bone. Eventually, other cells known as osteoclasts, which means bone breakers, make their way into the middle of developing bones. They use hydrolytic enzymes and acid to dissolve the cancellous bones and make room for more marrow. This process continues until all the cartilage has turned to bone. 
After bones stop getting longer, they continue to produce new bone tissue to replace old bone tissue. In fact, the adult body replaces its skeleton every 7 to 10 years. Bone contains living tissue that renews itself regularly in a process known as bone turnover. The process happens in two stages. First, osteoblasts draw calcium from the bloodstream to build new bones. Next, osteoclasts dissolve the bone and return the calcium to the bloodstream. And this turnover continues throughout life, but the process slows down with age. Within the bones, we find bone marrow, which is the spongy tissue in the hollow centres of a person's long bones. It is the blood cell factory of the body. There are two types of bone marrow, yellow and red. Yellow bone marrow is involved in the storage of fats. The fat in yellow bone marrow are stored in cells called adipocytes. This fat can also be used as an energy source when needed. It also contains stem cells which can develop into bone, fat, cartilage or muscle cells. Because yellow bone marrow starts to replace red bone marrow over time, most bones in an adult body contain yellow bone marrow. Red bone marrow, when required, releases blood cells into the bloodstream when they are mature. Without bone marrow, our bodies could not produce the white cells which we need to fight infection, the red blood cells we need to carry oxygen, and the platelets we need to stop bleeding. Calcium, phosphorus, zinc and magnesium are essential minerals that must come from our diets. Vitamins D, K and A are also needed for normal bone metabolism. Without these nutrients, our bones can become weak and more likely to break. Calcium and vitamin D are well known for their important role they play in building strong bones. The skeleton is our body's major storage bank for calcium and vitamin D helps our bodies effectively absorb calcium from our diets. Vitamin D is also needed to help bone forming cells mineralize bone and proteins into a hard tissue. One of the major challenges that developing organs face is scaling. That is the adjustment of physical proportions during a massive increase in size. Picture a leg bone. It has attachment points for muscles and tendons along its length. Imagine that this bone has a protrusion located a third of the way from one end, and this protrusion has a number of tissues attached to it. If the bone grows only at one end, this protuberance will migrate from its one-third position and result in serious problems to the attached tissues. If the bone grows unequally at both ends, the same problem can occur. How does the bone know to keep its structures at proper ratios along its length as it grows? That problem was investigated by a team of Israeli scientists some years ago, published in PLOS Biology. They begin their article by stating that, although organ scaling is fundamental for development and function, little is known about the mechanisms that regulate it. Bone superstructures are projections that typically serve for tendon and ligament insertion or articulation, and, therefore, their position along the bone is crucial for musculoskeletal functionality. As bones are rigid structures that elongate only from their ends, it is unclear how superstructure positions are regulated during growth to end up in the right locations. A growing bone lengthens when cells in its so-called growth plate, a region at the end of growing bones, multiply and expand. The cells, called chondrocytes, form the cartilage that provides a scaffold for the mature calcified bone that later grows on top of them. Scientists know that the size and number of the chondrocytes help fix how much and how quickly a bone grows, but exactly what drives that cell size growth is still a mystery. This echoes the thoughts of Solomon in Ecclesiastes 11 verse 5. 
as thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God, who maketh all. The Israeli scientists continue. During growth, bones elongate extensively by advancement of the two growth plates away from the superstructures. It is therefore expected that during elongation, superstructures would remain at their original position near the centre of the bone. Nevertheless, the end result is proper spreading of superstructures along the mature bone, which clearly implies the existence of a morphogenetic mechanism that corrects their locations. A mechanism to produce the right ratios as the bone grows is not evolutionary terminology. A mechanism implies process, technique, organisation and purposeful functionality, the complete opposite of blind and unguided chance. As the researchers continued with their study, they emphasised this word mechanism. Strikingly, analysis revealed that the relative position of all superstructures along the bone is highly preserved during more than a five-fold increase in length, indicating isometric scaling. It has been suggested that during development, bone superstructures are continuously reconstructed and relocated along the shaft, a process known as drift. Surprisingly, our results showed that most superstructures did not drift at all. Instead, we identified a novel mechanism for bone scaling, whereby each bone exhibits a specific and unique balance between proximal and distal growth rates, which accurately maintains the relative position of its superstructures. Moreover, we show mathematically that this mechanism minimizes the cumulative drift of all superstructures, thereby optimizing the scaling process. Our study reveals a general mechanism for the scaling of developing bones. More broadly, these findings suggest an evolutionary mechanism that facilitates variability in bone morphology by controlling the activity of individual epiphyseal plates. The bones have to drift a little, because otherwise they would grow closer to the centre as the ends elongate. Drift is achieved by a structure dissolving bone on the inner side and regrowing it on the outer side. In this way, the ratios between them are maintained from the earliest embryonic stages through adulthood. The level of control required to achieve isometric growth implies irreducible complexity and hierarchical control. Apparently, the controls are different in different parts of the body. They point, for instance, to earlier findings that forelimb bones tend to grow away from the elbow joint, whereas bones in hind limbs tend to grow toward the knee joint. Even though they are evolutionists, they admit that there's no evidence that this mechanism evolved. The growth of bones regulated by a combination of cells that build bone and then break it to produce marrow implies synergy. How is it that blind chance came about to regulate this in one bone, let alone the other 205 bones? How could a mutation to the growth plate at one end of a bone affect the regulation of a growth plate at the other end? How could a mutation that causes symmetric breaking in the drift of one structure affect the coordinated outcome of the other structures? And how could mere chance orchestrate all the dynamic elements at play in the growth of a bone and its superstructures to end up with a functional adult bone, with all its muscles, tendons and ligaments attached at the right places, so that the leg or arm actually works? Job recognised that God was responsible for his physical frame made up of skin and bones. We await the day when the world will acknowledge that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs>